Hallelujah. Turn in your Bibles this morning to Psalms 85. And let's look at verse 6. We've been talking quite a while on revival. And we found out that the word revival, glory to God, means to bring to life again. Whereas evangelism is the sinner repenting, sometimes in revival, the saints repent. Amen? And uh, so we understand and we know that it's very important that there be life continuously breathed into our lives so that we can have revival. The psalmist said it this way. He said, wilt thou now revive us again that your people may rejoice in you. That your people may rejoice in you. One characteristic of revival is constant rejoicing in the Lord. Another earmark of revival is a person that has a spirit of thanksgiving. And remember what we talked about last week. When you are revived, you are continuously encouraging yourself in the Lord. And then you are being an encouragement to other people around you. Amen. And so we understand and we see by looking at some of the characteristics of revival that Charles Finney had in one of his book, which I want to read today, that number one, he said, there will be a prevalence of a mighty spirit of prevailing prayer. In other words, there will be a consistent spirit of prayer where the people have on them not only the desire to pray and the willingness to pray, but the anointing to pray. And it becomes like a corporate anointing of prayer where one may chase a thousand to fly, but two can chase 10,000 to fly. And we can see some awesome things accomplished with the spirit of prayer. Secondly, Finney said this, there will be in revival an overwhelming conviction of sin. We're going to see that. It's not a condemning of sin, but it is a conviction of sin where people all of a sudden see the state they're in and they just run to God and they say, God, I've got to have you in my life. I'm opening my heart up to Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. And through that conviction of sin, there is not just conversion, but I'm talking about a new birth. We don't need just conversions. We need people being born again, being transferred, lock, stock, and barrel out of darkness and being brought back into the, brought into the kingdom of God. And I tell you what, when you are born again, your want to for certain things will dissipate. Your want to will dissipate and your hunger and your thirst for God will increase. Thirdly, Finney says, there will be sudden and powerful conversions to Christ. Fourthly, he says, there'll be great love and abounding joy of the converts. And then number five, and I know that this happened in my life. He said, the intelligence and the stability of the converts shall increase. I'm telling you, when I was in high school, I got four F's and a D minus on my report card as a senior. The D minus was in religion, so I was a little sharp there. But I qualified to be dumb, dumber, and dumbest. But oh, thank God, in March 17th, 1975, when I opened up my heart to Jesus in that treatment center, He came in and the life of God not only impacted my spirit, but my soul and my body. Somebody shout Amen. Glory to God. And I don't have time to go any further in that. But the intelligence 
and the stability of the converts. And then number six, he said their great earnestness, activity, and usefulness in their prayers and their labors for others. And their labors for others. In other words, they are so born again that they have a strong desire to bring their supply and their service into the house of the Lord. You just can't keep them out of church. They're not walking around serving the Lord, saying, oh, it's time for church again with a long face. No, they're not serving the Lord with sadness. Bless God, they're serving the Lord with gladness. They're so happy and they're so glad that they say things like, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. And so it is so important that we understand that you and I have been saved to serve. You know, Paul spoke to the church of Galatia in Galatians 5.13 and he says, For brethren, you've been called unto freedom or liberty. Only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh or an incentive to the flesh. But by love, we ought to be serving one another. Somebody say amen. amen. See, part of our intelligent spiritual worship as we present our bodies unto God as living sacrifices is not only to lift up holy hands in the sanctuary, but it's also to get a broom. It's also to greet. It's also to usher. It's also to serve in preschool and in CIA and in youth. Whatever God says to you, do it. Get in, glory to God, where you fit in. And as you do, what you are doing is you're bringing your service to the house of God and you're worshiping him. Amen. Amen. Now, this generation, the generation in which you and I live, we will have the manifestation of the glory of God. We will have it. We cannot do without it. I tell you what, I don't care what happens in these services just so God has his way. I could study all week and prepare all week, get real theological, be a seminarian, get ready to preach and impress people with Greek and Hebrew. But what does it really do? In the long run, what really counts is did God show up? Were bodies healed? Were lives changed? Were spirits brought out of darkness into light? Come on, somebody. We will have the glory. If there's one thing we will have, we will have the glory of God. The glory of God is the manifest presence of God. The glory of God is the magnificence, the splendor, the brightness of God. One person defined the glory of God to be heavy and weighty with everything good. Think about it. Oh, that's what we sense when we come together. We sense the weight of the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon us. Amen. Now look at Haggai chapter 2, if you would, and I want to notice verse 9. Haggai chapter 2, verse 9. He says, the glory of this latter house, that's the house we're in, shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I'm going to give peace, says the Lord of hosts. What this is saying to us is the New Testament house of God is greater than the Old Testament house of God. 
They had the presence of God in the old covenant, but the presence of God moved out of that holy of holies. The Bible says, glory to God, that the veil into the holy of holies was torn into two pieces and God moved out of that temple made with hands into one that was not made with hands. Temples of the Holy Ghost. When Jesus died and rose from the dead, he moved out and he moved into you. What a difference it would make if we became God inside minded. What a difference it would make if we became glory of God inside minded. He said, I'm going to walk in them. I'm going to dwell in them. I'm going to be their God and they shall be my people. Think about it, brothers and sisters. We are temples of the Holy Ghost. We are wall to wall temples of the glory of God. My good friend Mark Brzee says it like this. He said, the glory of the last days church is going to be greater than the glory of the first days church. I like what she said. The book of Acts is not a lullaby story or to put you to sleep. Think about all the things that happened in the early church. My brothers and sisters, we ain't seen nothing yet. It's about to get greater. It's about to get stronger. It's about to get more prevalent over whole the earth. Amen. So the question would be, now I don't have a long word today, but I've got a good word. I've got an anointed word. So the question would be today, well, how does his glory manifest? How does and what does the glory of God look like? Well, first of all, the glory of God manifests when it quickens a person out of darkness into light. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, notice with me in verse 1 and in verse 6, it says, and you has he quickened. The word quickened there means he made you alive. You were dead in trespasses and sins, were you not? But notice with me in verse 6. When he quickened us, he didn't just make us alive, but he raised us up. He raised us up together and he made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I just dropped by to tell you this morning that the glory of God will quicken you. It will heal you. The glory of God will strengthen you and enable you to do what you could never do in your own strength. I like the apostle Paul. He prayed this way. He said, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen them with might by your spirit in the inner man, by the spirit of glory. May we each have the richest measure of your divine presence. And may we become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. I don't know about you, but in my life, there's been times where I needed the strength of the Holy Spirit. There are things that I have faced in life that I never thought that I would face. But you know what? God saw it coming and God had my back. The Bible says that the glory of the Lord is your rear guard, your rear reward. And I tell you, there have been times where in the natural realm, I felt so weak, like I felt like I couldn't get into the pulpit. But I didn't look to man, I looked to God. And the Spirit of God and the Spirit of glory would come upon me and rest upon me and turn me into another man. And the grace of God would abound. Oh, it's awesome. And listen, friends, if God will do that for me, he'll do it for you. Whatever you might be facing. You might be facing difficulty with your children. You might be facing a physical challenge in your life. You might be facing a foreclosure and your eyes are just 
oh, and you're just so tired in the natural realm, that's when we need to draw near to God. We don't need to rehearse and talk about how bad things are. We need to talk and rehearse about what a good God we have and what a mighty God we serve and how that the Spirit of God and the Spirit of might is on the inside of you. Oh, glory to God. Think about it. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives on the inside of you. Glory to God. Woo! What's the flu compared to that? What's cancer compared to that? What's a little foreclosure sign on the outside of your house compared to that? Nothing compares to the God of glory and the Spirit of might that lives on the inside of us. But we need to learn to tap into it and draw from the Spirit of God who lives on the inside. Listen, the Apostle Paul, you know, if he... <sighs> let, me, let me just look at it. Say with me, the glory of God, glory of God strengthens, me strengthens me in a time of trouble. Let's look at two people today. Let's look, first of all, at David. David said something in Psalm 42, verse 5. He said, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why should you moan over me and be disquieted within me? Now, for a moment, David sounded like one of the original country western singers. You know, you listen to some of that country western music, it's pretty funky. They have lines like, I gave you my heart and you, and you stole that sucker flat. <laughs> In the country western, they stole my dog, they stole my woman, they stole my truck. You play it backwards, you get your dog back, you get your woman back, you get your truck back. <laughs> but David was not like that. He was just stating what was happening in his life at that time. But you know... In the world, you might have a little trouble. You might have a little tribulation. But I serve a God who troubles the troubler. And he says, but be a good cheer because I've already overcome the world. Amen. So David said in the midst of that, he says, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to hope in God. I'm going I'm to place my expectancy in the God of glory. I'm going to wait expectantly for him. I will yet praise him for my help comes from God. I love the message. Just listen to it. It says this. Why are you down in the dumps, dear soul? And why are you crying the blues? Fix your eyes upon God. Soon I'll be praising him. I love this. He puts a smile on my face because he's my God. He puts a smile on my face. Because he's our God. And so you can expect the glory of God to show up in a time of trouble. You can expect him to be right on the scene when it looks the darkest. You see, where sin abounds and testings abound, the grace of God and the glory of God is going to much more abound. Now notice with me from the Apostle Paul's life. Look with me at 2 Corinthians 4.17 quickly now. The Apostle Paul, you know, he faced some tests, he faced some trials. And here's what he said in 2 Corinthians 4, 17. He called it a light affliction. He said, this light affliction, which is but for a moment. 
I'm telling you what's working. It's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. I want to say to you today by the word of the Lord that your light affliction has a lifespan. It's temporary. It's subject to change. And it's lifespan by the grace of God. It's coming to an end. Now, some of you didn't get that. I said, your light affliction has a lifespan. It's coming to an end. The weight of glory is working on it. When you can't see it working out here, he's working on something. Our God of glory is going to turn it around for you. Woo. I stole this from my wife's notes. Yes, I steal my wife's notes. She said it this way. Behind every affliction, there's greater glory. Behind every attack, there's greater glory. Behind every disease, there's greater glory. Now, Paul said it this way. He said, it's light, it's momentary, it's an affliction. He said, this slight distress of the passing hour. Now, there are times and there are days that doesn't feel light. It doesn't feel like it's passing. But Paul said, I serve a God who does deliver, has delivered, and will deliver. And Paul is saying, I'm expecting for the weight of glory to come upon me in the midst of this situation and turn it around for me. You see, one time he went to the Lord. The thorn in the flesh was bothering him. Everywhere he would go, Satan would prop up and try to stop the word that was going forth. And he went to the Lord and he said, Lord, help me out with this. Help me out with this. And the Lord spoke and said, my grace is sufficient for you. And so Paul said, hey, most gladly, therefore, will I glory in these infirmities because when I am weak, he's strong. When you're at your weakest, he's at your strongest. And the stronger one lives on the inside of you. Say with me, the stronger one, the the greater one one. is living in me. Declare it strong right now. God's working on something. something. Glory to God. The Apostle Paul was an outstanding man of God. He said, in the midst of all these things, I'm still more than a conqueror. Because it's through him that loved me. I believe that if they made a movie today about the Apostle Paul, Clint Eastwood would be an awesome actor for it. Feeling lucky, punk? (laughs) Some of you need to get a little sassy where the devil's concerned. Are you talking to me? Make my day. (laughs) Say with me, my God. He's a working. He's working on something. Now notice verse 16 in the Amplified of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. No wonder Paul said it like this. He said, therefore, I'm not discouraged. I'm not spiritless and I'm not fearless. And I refuse to be wearied out through fear. Though my outer man is progressively decaying and wasting away, but I tell you what's going on on the inside. What's going on on the inside is I'm being progressively renewed day by day. I'm becoming stronger every day. I'm becoming more like Jesus every day of my life. I'm getting stronger. He's renewing my youth just like the evil. 
Come on, somebody. You got to get bold where the devil's concerned. He's trying to paint you a picture of doom, despair, and agony on end. But if you will look into the perfect law of liberty and you will behold in a mirror the glory of the Lord, you will be changed from one degree of glory to the next. And it ain't doom, it's glory. It ain't agony, it's healing. It's not on end, but glory to God. The power of God is working in your life. Woo! In closing, look at that verse from the message translation. I just wanted to stir you up a little bit this morning. Just stir you up just a little bit today. Paul said that this exceeding eternal weight of glory is stronger than anything I will ever face. Isn't that wonderful? Now, I pastor y'all. We've pastored y'all for 30 years. And we know some of the things you go through. But the good news is this, is you're going through. You're not camping out in the valley. You're not buying into the hat and the t-shirt, I'm in the valley. No, you are those that go through the valley and you make it to the, come on, you make it to the other side. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll not be afraid because God is with me. God is for me. The God of glory will get me to the other side. So don't lose heart. Don't back down in fear. He who is inside of you, he's much greater. Amen. Now notice what Paul's attitude was. And I know this is the message translation. And it's a little modern. But we're still in revival, all right? All right. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 in the message. I want you to read it with me. Here's our attitude. Ready, read. So we're not given up. How could we? Even though on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart on us. On the inside, where God is making new life, not a days go by without his unfolding grace. Grace upon grace, unfolding. Hallelujah. Some of you have yet to see his unfolding grace. But I'm going to give an altar call in about 60 seconds. And the grace of God is going to bring you out of darkness and bring you into light. It's going to change your life forever. Verse 17. It says, these hard... Come on, read. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming of the good times. The lavish celebration... He's prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. I'm not waiting till I get to heaven to have me a lavish celebration. I'm having me a lavish celebration in the nasty now and now. Right here, right now. Celebrate the goodness of the Lord. Let's read it again if we can. Ready? Class, read. (laughs) 
Now let's get verse 18 and let's read it together. Ready, read. Go ahead. not at the things which are seen or subject to change, but at the things which are not seen that are not subject to change. For the things which are seen are subject to change. They're only temporary, but the things which are not seen, they're going to last forever. Let's stand up and give God praise. Amen. And so Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus. I like what Brother Dollar says, when trouble shows up, trouble your trouble. You can trouble your trouble right now by inviting the weight of glory. Say it with me. Heavenly Father, in the midst of a test, I rejoice in the Lord my God. And I invite the Spirit of God and the Spirit of glory to rest upon me. If people talk about me, if I'm reproached for the name of Christ, I refuse to get sad. The Bible said I'm happy. Say it real strong for the spirit of God and the spirit of glory. Rest on me. Say it, Lord, I receive. Lord, I believe it. Lord, I receive it in the name of Jesus. And so this glory that's on you will linger all day long. When you leave here in just a few moments, when you leave here in just a few moments, grieve not the Spirit of God, but continue to walk in Him and to live in Him. In Him we live and move and have our being. Continuously bring your praise to the Lord and the glory of God will linger on you all day long. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.